Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Isabel. And welcome back to another episode of Comments by Bravo. Hey, Iz. Hi, Em. What the hell is going on in Beverly Hills? It's so good. I loved this premiere. No, it was so good. But those last few minutes with Kyle and Mauricio changed me as a person. No, it, it shook me to my core. And I mean, I don't know which we want to talk about first, but to watch that and then immediately follow it up with Kyle and watch what happens was a wild experience because you were getting the real time story of what's going on. And she was so honest. She was incredible on Watch What Happens Live. I mean, This is somebody who is really, I think, feeling good and clear in her decision and where she is in life, even though it is messy. And she did not hold back on any answers. Like I think she was as honest and open as we've ever seen her or that we could expect from literally anybody. Some of the biggest takeaways are that she was the one who initiated the separation, that yes, she saw the photos of Mauricio and his Dancing with the Stars co-star holding hands, and she was really taken aback by it. That Kathy and Kim have been very supportive throughout the process, that her and Mauricio are still living in the same house, but not in the same bedroom. She gave him their bedroom and she moved to one of the guest rooms. I'm just, you know, what really took me back was when Andy starts to ask a question and then he kind of stops and it's like, it's so surreal to be talking to you about this publicly because you and I have been talking about it privately for so long which I always just find really interesting when he kind of breaks the interviewer role for a second. Yeah, and I felt like this was different because we had sort of been operating up until maybe, I don't know, this week or last week that they were separated and figuring things out. And this felt really finite. Like this feels like they are separated and she might as well have used the word divorce. Like I do not see a world in which they get back together. I think regardless of like, quote, what happened, they just seem like two completely different people who are strangers at this point, which like is fine, but you know, I don't, I don't see reconciliation in, in their future and maybe they'll be amicable, but like, 
they're not getting back together. No, I would be really, really shocked if they were to get back together. This didn't to me feel like a rough patch. This feels like two people who had a great marriage for X amount of years and have kind of totally moved on to different lives. Because that last scene, even pre-watch what happens, just that last scene, it was like they didn't really know how to interact with one another anymore. No, and also him not knowing the tattoos, that that just, that's not them. They were so intertwined with each other and each other's lives that that alone was like, okay, so this is what we're working with. I mean, obviously the tattoo thing was a little bit uncomfortable because here he is trying to tell her, you know, how many she can or cannot get. And she's like, frankly, I do not give one singular fuck what you think. But it was so much deeper than that. To me, it was so much less about him and so much more so about, you can tell her frustration with him has boiled over. Like she is so clearly in this phase of like, I am doing whatever I want in every aspect of my life. And you are the last person that is going to try to intervene. I think she just has such a newfound sense of freedom and change and like, oh, I can be and do whatever I want. Like if I decide to change my style or change my friends, change my lifestyle, I can do that. So I feel like he was like the last piece of that quote, old life. And for him, obviously that comment was just like not okay. Of course, she can do whatever she wants with the tattoos and him saying, I won't allow it. Like, all right, what is this? You know, the dark ages. But I did feel like from his perspective, he is feeling this sense of like, I'm losing my wife. You know, I don't want her to change anymore. And I think that push and pull is just like, that scene right there without them even discussing one thing about their marriage said everything that we need to see. That's what I was going to say. It was actually so much more interesting than if they were to sit down and really discuss what was going on. Because what you got from that was invaluable. Yeah, we saw the actual interactions that we had been wondering about behind the scenes. There were slow, steady changes in their dynamic and relationship. And like, I just think seeing this scene and like a real life interaction between the two of them and how it's really going down was just priceless for us as viewers because we needed that just in our understanding of the entire thing. Also because that felt like a conversation that would have maybe gone down whether or not cameras were there. Meaning, you know, just logistically, they do have to figure out schedules. You know, they have many kids together. Portia has spring break. He's going on business trips. She's going on business trips. Like these are conversations that have to be had no matter how separately they're living. And so, yeah, you know, were they doing it specifically for the cameras? Maybe, but also you can't fake that. Also, given what he said, which like is not something you like necessarily want to say on camera or is the best reflection of him on camera. Like it felt that that much more real. Oh, a thousand percent. And did you hear on on Watch What Happens when Annie made a comment about it and she was like, I was just glad that he said it on camera. Yeah, she was like, haha, that's not going to go over well. (laughs) I think there's a piece of her that, listen, no matter what, he's the father of her children and like, that's always going to come first. But I do think there's a piece of her that even just having that one scene filmed maybe felt a little bit vindicated. And I think there's probably a side that is craving a little bit more of that. And the production kicking off the first ending of the season with that scene, ending the premiere episode with it was such, such a power move. Also, Andy asking her about Morgan Wade, you know, her denying it, just saying that they're very close friends. She made a comment like, I think if she didn't have tattoos, nobody would even be saying anything. Which, 
again, I'll tell you if, if that's what Kyle's saying, I'll believe it. But <laughs> narrator, she does not believe it. I just don't. I would be lying to you if I said I did. I know. I just don't even know at this point. I, I have to focus on the Mauricio element before I can even get there. But what about the Dancing with the Stars thing? I want to loop back to that. Yes. Okay. So Mauricio is on Dancing with the Stars. As we know, his partner is this woman by the name of Emma Slater. And it had been rumored that they were maybe getting a little bit cozy. And last week, they're leaving dinner together in Beverly Hills holding hands, which a source said that at the table, they were having a very deep conversation. She was kind of there for him. And you know, them holding hands was kind of the aftermath of that. But when Kyle was asked about it, she said, yes, she was very taken aback. She was very hurt. When Andy asked if that was the reason that she deleted her Instagram telling people to vote for them, She said yes. And Teddy's response to that, not that we're overly interested in Teddy's response, but Teddy's response was like, listen, they're in the middle of Beverly Hills. They know they're being photographed. And you could tell that was the kind of thing Kyle was talking with her friends in her group chats about like, is he fucking kidding me? Yeah. And I just love her honesty of like, yeah, I deleted my post. I was annoyed. I was pissed. And like, I can't stop thinking, well, what does that look like? So you're telling me he comes home from this dinner back to their house and goes sleeps in their bedroom and Kyle's just in the other room, like deleting the post, but also viciously voting for them the next day, you know, like the dynamic is just, it's overwhelming. Well, when she said, she was like, yeah, I was very pissed. I deleted the post, but then I did vote for them and I sent a screenshot of me voting for them to the family group chat. This whole thing to me just feels very niche. And I don't mean them being separated and there being, you know, infidelity rumors. That's par for the course. But the dancing with the stars of it all kind of it, it is just like an added layer of this because one thing we know about dancing with the stars, most likely you're going to hook up with your partner. It's just something that happens if both parties are somewhat <laughs> single. And so, like, what are the odds that in the midst of this entire thing, while they're filming their reality show, Mauricio was also on dancing with the stars and there are now these rumors. Like it is just such a added layer. I just feel like terrible timing for Dancing with the Stars. Like I get it's the Beverly Hills, uh, Mauricio's Netflix show, Buying Beverly Hills is coming back. I I get it. But I just feel like, you know, maybe this wasn't the move. I I don't know. It's something. I actually think there's a piece of Kyle that is, I don't want to say is happy about this, but Like I was saying earlier with feeling a little bit validated that the tattoo conversation was on air. I just think for so many years, there's been these rumors about him. And this is different because technically they're separated. It's not like he's cheating on her. But I think there's probably a piece of her that even though it's painful, may actually like that the public is is seeing this. I don't know. I'm, I'm struggling with my own thoughts about it. But there was just an air to her on Watch What Happens that I found was very authentic, a little bit nervous. And maybe a very small bit spiteful. I also feel like the way that this narrative was played out in the very beginning and sort of introduced to us was like, Kyle is now in a relationship with Morgan Wade and has like left Mauricio and the family high and dry. And now there's all these rumors. And regardless of what what part of any of it is true or not, it was really pinned on her. And yes, she does say that she was the one who initiated the separation. However, obviously there's a lot of mutual feelings going on there. You know, it's not just her leaving him in the dust. So I think for her, it's also validating that like people see how this was an even thing. It wasn't like he was the same old Mauricio, the relationship was the same and she just decided to pick up and leave one day. Like she had to wait until the show started for that, but also now 
what's going on in real life, we get to see like, okay, no, these are two people veering off in separate directions, not Kyle just like jumping ship, which like, by the way, she'd be allowed to do. But still, I just think for the narrative, for her sake, it's it's much easier to digest that way. I very much agree. And on top of that, I do wonder if, you know, let's just say, assuming that the Morgan Wade rumors are true, is part of the reason that maybe she is deciding not to say anything, you know, not to help nurture a narrative where she was kind of jumping ship first. Not saying that's the case, but I don't think it's a completely illegitimate question to ask. No, I agree. I don't know. It's just, this whole thing is like nuts. Like, I was so shook to my goddamn core from that last scene. And you know, especially because you and I have been fans of Kyle for a really long time. And I think a lot of times that just doesn't seem to be the overwhelmingly popular opinion. Like people really get a lot of enjoyment out of hating on her and thinking that she plays producer and thinking that, you know, she never wants to take responsibility, whatever they think, whatever people's opinions are. And I felt like this watch what happens as a fan of Kyle was very refreshing because she wasn't doing the thing that everyone accused her of. She was being as honest as she could possibly be. This will be her most honest, vulnerable season. And I think a lot of people will appreciate that who maybe hadn't in the past. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24 hour over the counter allergy spray. And it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24 hour steroid free allergy spray. And Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real. And for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. 
Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. I think from what we've seen so far, this is going to be a really good season. And the, the thing that we have to mention, which was you know present on the show, but also very much on Watch What Happens, was Dorit and PK. Because as we see on the premiere, things aren't great with them. You know, Dorit's being really honest about going through a little bit of a rough patch. Nothing specific happened. There wasn't an incident, but she just didn't feel that he was as supportive to her as she maybe needed. And then on Watch What Happens, Kyle and Teddy answer a viewer question, which was, have you seen the reports that came out today about Dorit and PK separating and him moving out and living in a hotel? And you see that Kyle and Teddy have this moment where they're like, wait, that came out today? No, 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 we haven't seen it. And Andy then asks her, okay, well, have you heard about it prior to that? And she says no, but everything about her body language says yes. Yeah, it was like not her best acting job in that moment. I just feel like, again, very similar and parallel to the Kyle and Mauricio situation. The minute that Dorit is even willing to like let her guard down about their relationship and say anything less than perfection is a huge telltale sign because up until now, it's always been rainbows, butterflies, love of my life, we're a strong team, you know, and I do think Dorit is honest, but that's just always been sort of the vibes around her relationship. So the minute that that has changed, that is sounding the alarms for me at least. And like, look, I wouldn't be shocked, but again, I would be sad. I can't lie. I kind of love Dorit and PK together. I love their little family. And I just feel like with her and Kyle going through that at the same time, two couples that truly I never would have bet would have broken up. It's it's sad and weird and just it's crazy given what Erica went through. Like these women really go through these insane transformations and it's a reflection of real life, but it's like, I don't know, I get a little attached. I mean, that conversation at Dorit's with her and Kyle felt pretty eerie to me because if what ends up happening with Dorit and PK is the direction that it seems to be going and it may not, you will look back on that conversation and say it was very foreshadowing. Yeah, very foreshadowing. But like, also at least they have each other. You know, I feel like their friendship is not as close as it once was. There was a time where they were inseparable, especially with the husbands that were doing everything together. I feel like Kyle is more focused on her friend group with Teddy and Morgan and her other friends that she said sort of join that. And that's kind of been her number one at the moment. But I do think her and Dorit have always had like a very sisterly bond that happened really quickly. And the one silver lining of them both going through this is that maybe it will bring them back to that place that I love them at. Like even this conversation where they're sitting at Dorit's, I feel this distance between them. Like it feels a little bit like strangers, old friends who aren't hanging out and talking every single day like they used to. Yeah, it definitely felt like there was a little bit of a separation, but I don't know if I'm prepared to say that it, to me, was so friendship related, even though Kyle said, you know, she was hurt by Dorit and Sutton for not kind of being there for her. To me, it felt so much more like there's so much going on in Kyle's life that maybe she's been a little bit distant, period. I don't know. That was the way that I took it. But the other thing I wanted to mention to read in PK-wise and kind of more generally is the preview we see where they're at that dinner, she's in the red dress and she makes a comment like, I think you think this all just happens. Like this doesn't just happen. I don't just show up looking like this. And he kind of responds with, you know, I think I'm not going to do surprises anymore. Kind of diminishing what she's saying. And to me, I felt that that 
one moment, which again, we don't know the full context of that scene, but to me, I felt like that one moment kind of illustrated a frustration that I would have to imagine is similar to one Kyle had of like for so many years. And Kyle kind of said this in that scene, you know, the focus was on being the perfect wife and maybe not feeling entirely appreciated for like the role that they played in that and either wanting some acknowledgement of that or also just wanting, I don't want to fucking do this anymore. Like this is no longer serving me. And I think getting in touch with that frustration can be really empowering, even if really scary. Yeah, that will be also an interesting journey to go on. I mean, I think we were so focused on watching Kyle and Mauricio this season and like picking up clues and signs and just seeing their interactions that now the Dorit and PK element adds like a whole new thing to our list. What'd you think about Erica this episode? You know, I was really hoping and have been hopeful for like an Erica renaissance. Rinna's gone. She's on this new chapter, Vegas residency. A lot of the Tom stuff is somewhat behind her. And I just felt like it was going to be great for her. But this, this episode did not start her off on the right foot. The way I feel about it is like, for whatever reason, I am rooting for her. I really am. I felt like that Tom shit was so heavy and not that she's fully past it, but it's not going to be the focus of the season. And then that therapy session where she is like so genuinely needing empathy to be explained to her, I can't necessarily judge it because she's just being honest. So how do you judge someone for like honestly asking for help and being a more like emotionally in tune person. But I'd be lying to you if I said that that didn't kind of hit me in the face. It's very rare that you see someone on camera openly admit that that's not a concept they're familiar with. And so I think I'm struggling with not wanting to judge it because that's her truth, but also just, I don't know, realizing like how kind of big of a deal that is, at least to me. It's a huge deal. It's also something that we've seen play out, like her missing that empathy chip. So finally... Maybe she just needed somebody to really explain it to her. Something that actually really stuck out to me wasn't in the episode, but it was in the preview where she said to Dorit, like, I want to work on this friendship because I don't have many. And she says it in kind of a joking way, but I think there's a lot of truth to that. And I don't know. It's like we're discovering this new era of Erica's life where I think she is getting very in touch with like, what about her or what about the way that she views the world or views friendships has made it so difficult to build those bonds. Like I think she wants to have those bonds in a softer way. I don't think that this hard exterior is necessarily something that she wants to have forever. I just think that she's really struggling with it. I know. I think at least she's kind of aware of it. And I do admire her ability to say that out loud. Like I don't have a lot of friendships. I think people, especially housewives, sometimes feel too proud. And I think she has sort of come to the other side of like realizing that being honest is way more A, interesting and B, you know, foolproof than putting on a facade of like, oh, I have all these friends. I don't need to lie about it. Like, no, tell us really how you feel and what your life is like at the moment. Right. And I think there's something about not having Rinna there that really intensifies that, you know? Yeah, for sure. There's not like this security blanket and it also is more about Erica. Exactly. Also this conversation Garcelle had with her sons, I admire that woman so much, so unbelievably much, not only for the way that she handled it, but also to have it filmed. Yeah. I mean, that was unbelievable. That was like real raw television. And I feel like it's the most vulnerable you can be is with with your children, not even just talking about it, literally sitting down and having a conversation with them about really hard life topics and decisions that I just, 
I love Garcelle. Like that's why she's a good housewife. Not because of like the stirring the pot, petty drama, blah, blah, blah. Like that's, that's kind of what people want to see. No, that was some real shit. Especially because even though we as the viewer can watch that and be like, you are doing nothing wrong. Like you are a working mother. A man would not get this criticism. And like, you know, please don't feel guilty for doing what you need to do for your family. You could tell that she was being eaten up inside by that guilt. And I think to have the conversation anyway, knowing it could have taken that turn takes a lot of a lot of strength. And I can really appreciate that. Yeah, me too. Let's talk about baby making for a second, because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be. Meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Free to Fertility. Free to Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern, effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Free to Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you. The wait is over. That's right. Season five of the Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all new season of the Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. This is another wild week in Charleston, as far as I'm concerned. It's always a wild week in Charleston, especially when there's a full group dinner party scene. Forget about it. No, like, I'm sorry. There is no crew like this. There is no crew like this. It is the (laughs) messiest show ever in the best possible way. You think also that it, like, needs to stay with this certain people like that they create the crew but the crew is so ever-changing and it's still it still hits it never doesn't hit i mean by the way do you know how wild shit has to get it at dinner for austin to be silent i don't think he spoke one word (laughs) that's insane i mean there's just so much happening like when taylor across the table was like listen i'm done being the topic of conversation let's talk about it and like here they are at this dinner party out loud discussing the brightness of the nude photo that she sent whitney and shep is been weighing in on that. Like, what the fuck? My favorite line of the whole episode, maybe the season, maybe ever, was when Madison said, I'm not sitting here on my knees claiming I want to do a Bible study. I claim to be a slut. I'm just retired. (laughs) No, she was like, she was on one. Madison was on one. On her Madison bullshit in the best way possible. Like, she showed up for work that day. Yeah, and you know, I... I felt bad for Taylor because I hate any idea of shame around stuff like that. Well, also, like, wait a minute. You've all seen it? Like, are we just going to completely, like, skim over that fact that it was being sent around or shown around? Like, I guess... I, with this crew, maybe you have a little bit of an understanding that that's 
what happens. And she was totally not fine with it, but was like proud. So that is why we skimmed over it. But I was like, wait, we're not going to address that. I know the whole thing felt a little bit off. And Leva's comment in her confessional about how like there's this culture in the South where certain women are treated with white gloves and how, you know, Taylor doing it versus Madison doing it is a totally different situation in the eyes of the men. And that really resonated with me because I think there's a lot of truth to that. And it's, I don't like it. it. I really, I really don't respond well to that. It really pisses me off, but it just kind of is what it is. You know, like you cannot like it and also acknowledge that that's fully what's going on. That comment and also just level last week really like solidified why I feel like we really need her around because maybe she's not contributing to the drama, but she's such a trustworthy narrator and also offers such like good older sister perspective on all of these matters and has a really good bird's eye view of the dynamics of the group. And I was like, wow, that that was so insightful and not something that I would pick up on or know about. It was like a little bit of an education. No, it's it's true. I mean, even I hated the way he said this. Like I just found it to be so gross, even though he meant it as a compliment. But I think it was JT in his confessional saying, you know, like basically that Shep really fumbled the bag and how do you throw that catch back into the water talking about Taylor? You know, something like if I caught that catch, I wouldn't even take it off the boat or like, I don't know, something that was just like, why are you talking about women like that? Even though you mean it in a kind way. But that comment kind of illustrates that point perfectly of like, yeah, she's like some golden catch. Like she's yes. like some, I don't know, the the prize. And the other thing with that, and I'm kind of struggling in how exactly I want to make this point, but it's like, I think that while in theory you want to be viewed very highly, there's a real danger that arises from being put on a pedestal in that way as a man or a woman, just regardless. Because it's like it it, it holds you to a different standard in, in some sort of a way. And this like purity that's around Taylor, I actually think is, I don't know. I just don't like it. I don't like the whole thing. And it's like, you want to be viewed like that, but in order to be viewed like that, you have to be sort of delicate and soft-spoken and act like this prize. And then if you're anything but that, you're not treated with the white gloves. It's just, it, the dynamics are are absolutely fascinating. But I am proud of Taylor for kind of sticking up for herself in that moment and being like, okay, everyone's talking about me. Let's just put it all out there. Especially when it was like in this intimate setting where every single person at the table pretty much is involved in some way. And also like the Olivia of it all, of her being there. And I appreciated Olivia, even given all that she's going through at the moment and being the one who was betrayed to say like, we are going to hash this out on our own, stop getting involved. And I think Taylor in that moment felt really hopeful that like there is a future for their friendship and that Olivia isn't just like completely cutting her off. Oh, if I'm Taylor, that's the best thing she could have said. Yeah. She was never going to say everything's fine, but she was kind of like, listen, this is not your battle to fight. And like, I appreciate the defense, but this situation needs to be handled with a certain degree of sensitivity. I think if I'm Taylor, I really, really appreciate that. A hundred percent. I think Taylor in that moment felt probably the most optimistic she had felt in the whole week or weeks that this had been going on. And by the way, I just want to make something clear. Everything I just said, which I, I stand by and that like, I do not like this culture around kind of shaming provocativeness or whatever you want to call it. Separate and apart from that, like I also think that Taylor was being a really shitty friend. And I do agree with Leva when she says there's pieces of her that she doesn't fully recognize. And to me, that's so much more so, 
you know, Taylor having a, maybe a bit of an identity crisis in the aftermath of her breakup with Shep because that whole thing was really disorienting for her. So I think you can do both of like, be really defensive of her in terms of hating this narrative where she's being slut shamed and also admitting that separate and apart from that, just how she's being as a friend is like certainly not exemplary or what you maybe thought of her a few seasons ago. Yeah. I think that this Taylor is unrecognizable to them, but like, I don't know. There are lots of make some mistakes, fuck up a little bit. At least she eventually owned up to it. it. It was a hard situation. Like I, as annoying and bad as it was that she did that, I do feel for her. I totally feel for her. Are you kidding? It's a shitty feeling to walk into a situation and every single person in the room talking about you. Like I, I don't wish that on anyone. It's so uncomfortable. And I have a lot of respect for her for kind of just calling it out directly. Right. And strangely, you know, out of anyone, Shep was the one that was kind of like coming to her defense the most, I guess you could say. Yeah, he feels really protective over her, you can tell. And I thought what was also so interesting was Olivia saying, I expected this from Austin. So maybe it cut less deep because I kind of knew it was coming. Like I was knew he'd betray me. I knew he'd fuck me over. Like that's just Austin. But she never would have expected it from Taylor. And she's basically owning up to the fact that there's a double standard and that she had different expectations from each of them. And that's why she was able to forgive Austin so much quicker and easier. I just felt like that was really honest and like very self-reflective of her to be able to understand that about herself and know that the healing process will be longer and harder with Taylor than it was with Austin, even though I guess technically he's the one who betrayed her in a more deep way. Like he had the obligations to her romantically and Taylor didn't. I don't know. I think it sucks, sucks from both sides, but I just think that that was like such an element. Well, right. I mean, she kind of acknowledged something that a lot of people were probably thinking while watching. And I agree with you. I thought that it was very introspective and and very honest to be able to say that. I don't know. The the whole, this is a fucking crazy show, like absolutely nuts show. (laughs) I was trying to think if you're explaining this to someone who hadn't watched before, like the amount of crossovers. Like, by the way, Madison and Craig all buddy-buddy. I know that at this point, like it's water under the bridge. I get it. But when they have the flashback to him screaming at her at the reunion for sleeping with A-Rod, it like jolts you back to reality of just the amount of (laughs) drama that has gone on within this group. It's never not crazy. And it's never not shocking to see the two of them literally buddy-buddy best friends in the corner of the room. Craig saying, oh, if Paige moves to Charleston, she'll have her bestie Madison. Like what, what is the simulation we're living in? And I think the reason that this felt like such a good classic good old school Southern Charm episode was that they were all stuck in a room together and were literally rotating, like speed dating around from conversation to conversation and saying, oh, you want to go over there? They're talking about Taylor's nudes. And then Leva's at the other table and they're talking, like, it was just, it was perfect. I, I could have watched the whole 45 minute episode of them just in this room going from convo to convo talking about each other. Oh, I, I would have never gotten bored from that. I never get bored from the show. I know. Like I, I truly love it in a very serious way. Also, I was a wreck when Hudson came home and was hurt. No, I can't, I could not handle that. I, I obviously it's awful that it happened, but just in terms of us getting this scene, I feel like it was the most 
intimate view into Madison's marriage and like her new home life that we've gotten. And I felt like way more connected to her and to just her new relationship than I have thus far, because we used to know every detail of her life so intimately and every fight her and Austin had and, you know, all the shit with the reunion. And then all of a sudden she has this whole new life. And I feel like we needed to have this to understand it better. It was like in that moment, obviously he came home so upset and immediately she just went into full mom protective mode. She was there for him. And then when he went upstairs, it's like she needed someone to take care of her for that second because obviously she was so shaken up. And, you know, if he wasn't here for what we've seen for the last few seasons, she would have been alone and she would have been okay. She would have handled it. But I was so happy for her that she had someone in that moment to kind of like hug her you know, because obviously all of her energy was going into protecting her son and making sure that he felt safe physically and emotionally. And so for then someone to make her feel emotionally safe, I just, I'm really happy for her that she has that. Yeah. And I thought the whole scene while being really sad was also like strangely really beautiful. And and Brett seems like such a nice guy, like kind of soft-spoken. I mean, maybe that's just around the cameras, but also just a huge switch up of what we're used to her having in the past. Totally. A thousand, thousand million percent. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. People have so many different hacks for getting a good night's sleep. And it's not to say that those don't work, but I really think you cannot discount the power of just good quality sheets and how much that can transform your sleep. I told you guys about these before, but as far as I'm concerned, Bowl and Branch are the best sheets on the market. And I think for me, the thing that like makes them so good is that they're really soft and luxurious while also being breathable. So they kind of work in all weather and their signature sheets are their bestseller. They come in 14 versatile colors in all sizes from twin up to California King. I have them in the color stone. I have them in the color mineral. I have the waffle blank and I have so many things from this company. Everything is just quality and their sheets are made with the finest 100% organic cotton and completely free from toxins. Also, they said this, but I didn't really get it until I started using the sheets. They do get softer with every wash and you'll see that. I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and every single person has been a repeat customer. And there's a 30-night worry-free guarantee. So you can wash, style, and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bowlin Branch. Get 15% off your order when you use promo code CBC at BowlinBranch.com. That's Bowlin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code CBC. Exclusions apply. See site for details. If you had to choose, what would you say was your biggest takeaway from the New York reunion? Okay, this is such, such a weird one. Probably what you won't expect. 
it was when Sai validated what we had said and to Bryn saying, I fucked up and I betrayed Uba's trust and I was taking it out on you because I was upset with myself with what I did. I think that was like, from Sai specifically, the most like self-aware true thing that I felt so validated on behalf of us and behalf of Bryn that she said at the end of this reunion. Wait, that was mine too. I swear to God. I, I swear to God. I was so shocked from that. And I, it's like, I don't know if that's actually really insulting to say because it's kind of like, how low is the bar? Yeah. Well, with Sai, our, our bar is kind of in limbo. I said it to you last week. Like I, I'm not proud for feeling this way, but I really, I just don't enjoy her at all. I, I find her really, really hard to connect with. And I was so not expecting that. And I felt you could see it, like Bryn got emotional about it because what we didn't know, which was important added context, is that they hadn't really spoken since then. You know, they were, she was yeah. so pissed at her. And so even more so, I'm sure if you're Bryn, like how good that felt to hear. And she had that moment where it felt good. And then she was like, but wait, you've been in the press about me as recently as like a week ago. And listen, we've seen it in Housewives a million times. You can have the worst fight ever and then you can go back to being friends. I'm not saying that they can't or that they won't. I'm sure they will. But if I'm Bryn, I am always in the back of my mind remembering this. For sure. And also just based on size track record and how we've learned about her, I thought she would come in still so defensive about this and really like go to bat for her argument that like I was justified, but you were not. So I think to see her let that down a little bit was like really, it was, it was the plot twist I was not expecting. Another thing I would say is that Uba, Uba came in Uba hot to this reunion. She's so good. So good. I mean, I feel like Chanel Ayan, her cousin trained her. Like they did a little power session before this reunion. She said, here is how you fucking go for it. The thing is, though, it's not like you can say, you know, this just came out of nowhere. Like, where was this? Because that's not true. Uba has never been shy to to say what she's thinking. It's just that it's rare that they're in this type of a setting. You know, I actually think she really thrives in a setting where it's all being put out on the table. And this was being put out on the table in a big way. And, you know, the other reason that I think that this whole thing kind of worked out, that it was like the most drama-filled reunion, but if you were to really break down the elements of this, the heartfelt conversations and like the vulnerability that had nothing to do with the drama was probably more than even talking about the drama. And while some may say that that's boring, I feel like it provided a really good foundation to then have those other conversations. You know, it was almost like it moved everyone to a different headspace. Yeah, I think it got everybody to where we needed to be in order to have honest conversations. Wait, by the way, if I'm Jessel, and Sai says to me, yeah, I mean, it's it's not my business to talk about your relationship. I don't see a connection, but it's not my business to say that. Like, what? No, 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 no. I can't. I can't with the marriage discussions. I also just like fundamentally disagree. I think that how many times do you see couples that are going through a little bit of a rough patch or not even going through a rough patch, just like, Things aren't perfect because most of the times in marriages, things aren't perfect. Come onto the show, specifically first season, and do everything in their power to conceal that. And Jessalyn Pavitt didn't. Like they were putting on nothing for the camera. They could not have been more honest about everything that's going on. And the way that that was weaponized, I, I didn't even 
find it to be hurtful as much as I found it to be embarrassing for the other women because what I feel like we as the audience was applauding as transparency, they were, you know, searching for weakness within. And like, I just so wasn't seeing it that way. I literally ride for Jessalyn Pavitt. So I came into this reunion like, all right, you're going to talk shit about my family? Like, right. You know, there is no Jessalyn Pavitt slander here. By the way, Pavitt is doing a, I don't know if he did it already, like an Instagram live with the points guy to talk about mileage runs and has done the most epic TikToks about this mileage run that he did and the flight and everything. Like, I I love them. And I think Jessel during this reunion was incredible. Like as if she, her stats weren't already on the rise, like through the roof at the end of the season. I think her reunion performance really just solidified that. A thousand percent. What I don't understand is like, if you want to run with the narrative that he is cheating on her, which I don't believe is the case, but clearly that was what they were insinuating, even if they're going to deny it. Like even if Aaron, who I really like, is going to deny that that's what she was saying, it's it's bullshit because that's exactly what she was saying. What I find to be so confusing is like, do you think he needs to go all the way to Vietnam to cheat? Like a plane ride's a plane ride. He could go to Florida for the weekend. He doesn't need to. F- <laughs> you don't know. He could go downtown. Right. He could. He could go to Connecticut. He could have a a weekend at a bed and breakfast. You know, upstate New York. It's like, how is that where we're going to land at? There are a million other places that he could go. I know. I know. The Jenna of it all was really interesting. I felt. Yeah, I feel like. I guess Uba was the one to start off the conversation just about Jenna in general as a housewife and her on-screen persona versus her off-screen persona. Yeah, and it's funny because what I find happens sometimes with these women is that like there's a piece of them that almost wants to come for Jenna in that they recognize that she's almost viewed in a different way. And I think there's a part of them that wants to like knock her down a peg or maybe just create like a common ground with the entire group. And then when that starts to happen, they also kind of feel bad for doing it. Like, do you notice that? It's like, they'll come for Jenna, but not entirely because they don't really want to come for her. They just want to make sure that the playing field is leveled. Yeah, I guess because they're like insecure about that. But I felt like after the season, they would have felt like it was kind of leveled. But I I don't think that they think that, even the way that they talk about her. And that's okay, by the way. Like, it, there are a lot to be leveled in terms of all being rookie housewives and then feeling like Jenna, in the greater context of like New York society, maybe is operates at a different level just based on her career and her connections and, you know, the, the circle that she runs in, I, I feel like is kind of how they feel. But, and they're annoyed about it, but also really respect it and also like feel for her because what they want so badly to be an act, I think actually is her, you know, like even for example, when Uba, I think it was Uba first started to say about how Jenna constantly victimizes herself. And then later on she was like, no, it's really not that. It's that she constantly talks down to herself. Yeah. Yeah. Like they realize it, it, she can be all of those things. Like I think Uba saying, you know, when she's off screen, she's a powerhouse, this, that. And then when she's on screen, she's feels like she's victim, poor me, poor Jenna. And it's like, well, in her real life, you know, you're not in this group of women who you don't really know where basically your job is to kind of critique each other and pick fights. Like that's not a normal situation versus like Jenna in a business meeting where she's a powerhouse. Like I think you can get you a girl who does both. Like I think that's Jenna. She kind of does it all and her emotions and her she just ranges it all. And also, by the way, the way I feel is like 
she's elevating this shit, you know, like, yeah, you have to level the playing field and you have to not be afraid and feel like she's untouchable. But at the same time, like you got to kiss the ring a little bit, you know, she's like elevating your show in such a way and bringing it to this level, like, and she's not doing anything that harmful to you. So I don't know. I feel like it was a little bit harsh. Wait, the other thing that I have to mention Jenna wise and kind of going off of your earlier comment about when Sai said that to Bryn is when Sai said, you know, yeah, you're right. We, we were wrong about the way we handled that Anguilla dinner. I was like, yeah, you were, you were, but like, I wasn't expect. I just wasn't expecting her to say it. I will say, even though this reunion maybe isn't like the most groundbreaking, I love seeing all of them as first time reunioners. Like, I think that's just fascinating. And second, it's my favorite kind of reunion where I do feel like whether they really do it or not, in theory, they would all go out and get drinks after. Yes, I think that they would. I th- Listen, there's something to be said for the sisterhood that comes from the shared experience. Totally, especially for a first season where you really are just thrown in and there's nobody has done it before. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was good. It was, you know, was it yeah. the craziest thing I've ever seen? No. Did I enjoy every second of it? Absolutely. Same. To be honest with you, I'm just so fucking excited for Beverly Hills. And I will say, I watched the first episode of Winter House. I think it'll be the kind of thing where we're not going to talk about it every week, but when there's a moment to mention, we'll mention it. Yeah, I love that. Like Tom Schwartz arriving sans Sandoval. Oh my God. And Kyle just being such the producer. You know, like everyone asks him everything. Yeah, like he's been in this game for too long. Yeah, he's been around a time or two. Can't wait for Beverly Hills. Can't wait for BravoCon. Oh my God, guys. So close, so close. We will obviously keep you so updated on that. And is there anything else you want to mention? No, I think that's it for this this week. Okay, I think that's it. We love you guys so much. We will see you next week. Bye.